You are listening to Label Deep, Season 1, Episode 7, and Part 2 of Lessons I've Learned from the People I've Hurt. Both of us have been in spheres where we've been dealing with a lot of people who have been in spiritual trauma and about to leave Islam and that type of thing. And one of the byproducts of latching on to one aspect that is not, and all these things, these doubtful matters, they're not foundational aspects of Islam. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, you can be forgiven. Allah, Allah, you know, forgive forgive you for them, not even major sins. And what it does is actually distracts from the actual major sins. And so the byproduct of doing this Islamically from a prejudice standpoint, is that we end up discriminating against the very people who are doing the best, who are striving the best. And we actually are the nicest and the most uh, and the most merciful to the ones who don't care. So, for example, we have now when you hear Muslim discourse, you hear so many different things about how we're doing marriage wrong. When zina and adultery um, you know, uh, zina, both adultery and fornication is far more rampant amongst the Muslim community and amongst our general society. But that's when we say we have to be most patient. So we're super hard on everyone who's trying to marry and we have very specific things. But then when it comes to zina and fornication or any other sexual deviation, we are like, well, you have to be patient. You know what I'm saying? If it's an, uh, you know, and it's not that you shouldn't be patient with people who are striving, even if they're committing major sins. But the religion is literally turned upside its head where really we don't even give the admonition or the reminder to the ones committing the sins that Allah has defined. And we actually have made create. So we actually have literally flip flop the major sins. So now we control the major sins and we dictate them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what Allah has named as the major sins go to the back burner and we never, and we never deal with it. So now and another one, like, for example, you should be admonished or reminded when you're not making salah like you that Allah put in us. There is a time for shame, you know, and some people may disagree. With healthy this is a, shame. There is a time for healthy shame. Mm-hmm. When we when we read the Quran or we read something or, or we get something and we're not praying, that's a good that it's a good if you feel bad. That's good. Mm-hmm. When you get to the point where you don't feel bad for not praying, you're in bigger trouble. But because we have flipped the priorities and de- decided to define, mm-hmm. you know, over what Allah said, define what's most important, our discrimination, you know, it, it, it literally, that is literally the definition to me of Islamic discrimination. Because, you know, that's not you know why are you choosing that and that hurts see it's 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 a fitra like the quick i was thinking like the quick marriage yeah oh yeah oh okay for example so that's a that's a really that's a really good example so you know a a lot of people love to rag on people who are you know who marry Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying who marry quickly Yes. Why? Right. Oh, my God. They didn't even get a chance to know each other. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, they they, they still have to learn at Islam or, you know what I'm saying? Or they just or, took the, they just became Muslim and right. now they're getting married. Right, yeah. right, right, right. When Allah SWT, there is no proof. Mm-hmm. There is no proof that you can't have a, a fine, successful marriage. There is no admonition. Mm-hmm. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I know of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) that says that you can't marry somebody that you known for five, shoot, for five, 
It might not sound practical, but if that's what you know, after you, you might know them for a week, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it might, it, yes, it feels like, man, that's something wrong. Yeah, and would I, I, maybe I wouldn't suggest it. Would I advise it? No. But it's not I my wouldn't, business. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it, right? But I distinguish between my advice and, and, and what a law, def, a law decides. And you know what happens when you do that? You're going to find somebody who says, you know what, man, you, you, you open your mind to that. And like, and I'm gonna tell you, this has happened to me. And I'm, and and now I'm, I'm actually gonna go into another story about marriage, really, with me. When you open your mind to that, then you start learning about people who they only married, they they knew each other for three weeks, and they've been married for 25 years. And then you learn about people who've been married, who were engaged for 10 years, and mm-hmm. as soon as they got married, they got divorced in like six months. And then you start hearing all these stories, and you're like, wow. And so, and it's and it's interesting because again, if a law doesn't warn against it yeah that doesn't mean you don't tie your camel it doesn't mean you don't try to figure out the patterns of what works and what doesn't keyword your but you (laughs) but you distinguish between and this is what we're talking about where the where a lot of times the books and classes have become harmful you have to distinguish between what your opinion is and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires of us so that you don't make people feel bad because the fitzra feels bad when you feel like you dis- when you're when you're disobeying the law. But if you can feel like, okay, you know what, this is opinion, but I can look at another opinion, yeah. it gives you another way. So I was the guy, you know, 10, you know, five, 10 years ago, I was the guy, I, 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 I'm going to be honest, I relish being a good guy in the community. People knew me as the good guy, married for you know, years and years, you know what I'm saying? Young guy who's been married and pe- people know me, you know, they, they see my ex- family as an example and all of that stuff, right? So when people would talk about polygyny, I would join the party with it. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, really? Uh, I never was one of those people who was like, it's haram or we, we, shouldn't, we mm-hmm. shouldn't do it. But I was one of those people who was very dismissive of people who did. And I was one of those people who was kind of like, you know, and and especially when they were talking about the people in Philly who, you know, who was on a, on on um, you know, who be on uh, which one call it uh, what would they call it uh, welfare and stuff like that. Oh wow! <laughs> and very dismissive yeah. of people in general, and just kind of like, you know, well, I would, you know, I would never consider anything like that. So I played upon feeling like I played upon being pop because that was the popular opinion, you know what I'm saying, and because it didn't touch me. And because I wasn't affected by it and it didn't affect my life because I had no intention of doing it myself, I could very easily dismiss anyone and then mm-hmm. and then kind of play on the bad apples of the situation, right? But when I went to the shelter, when I started working for the women's shelter, and I and, and I started to see some all these women, right, who were coming in, who weren't spoken for, you know, who in, some, in many cases, we're looking for a husband. And in many cases, they were even churned and spurned in their own masters and communities by, by other men and women because they were looked at as threats to marriages. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, but what they, but in the shelter, they have to deal with these conditions where they live with somebody else. You know, they can't really raise their families right and that type of thing. They don't have companionship and all of that. And it really made me, it really made me say, okay, I think I made a mistake. You know, with, with, with this thing, because a lot, you know, and a lost upon what's all in his infinite mercy, he, you know, he learned more than me. And then moving on in my life, encountering situations myself, you see what I'm saying? Then it was like, I, I, I actually, a lot, I put, a lot put me through some pain because I changed. And personally, I changed on my stance on polygyny. And when I personally changed on my stance on polygyny because of, of how a lot evolved me, 
You know what I'm saying? I almost feel like I went through some pain regarding with regarding it because I was so dismissive of it and of the people who were brave enough to try it earlier. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of whether they actually were successful or not. You know what I'm saying? I I had to I had to come to grips with the fact that I was really I had that attitude really because it was easy to have that attitude and because I had privilege and because it didn't affect me. Yeah, it's 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 easy to do. I mean, I would say like um <laughs> so I mean, for me when I hear it I'm thinking like so you're saying for men. Mhm. Like in and, and as you think this is a west I guess it would be a western culture thing. We're like what? the 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 good man is the one who says I would never think about marrying another woman. You know. Not just in, in many cases um it's becoming more that way in certain eastern places as, cultures as well. Not every place mm. but but yeah, that's that's that is a definition almost. Like you get good, you get kudos, you get claps. You know what I'm saying? You start getting, you know, you, you start being becoming the example. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and what, <laughs> I mean, for me, you know, I would say like I never had like I'll put it like this. I would say that my time of thinking about that was like when I was like 16 years old. You know, but then I went through a period of 17. I wasn't in the situation. I didn't understand it, but I thought like if a law said something, it, should, it has to be good in it. And, a and lot, I felt that too. You know, yeah. and I think that one of the things that my life has taught me today is that everybody's situation is different, you know? And I think, again, when we're dealing, when we're not dealing with our pain, we, what ends up happening is that we need not just our children, not just our husband, our wife to live in a certain fantasy with us. The whole world has to do it. So people who are, who are, have not dealt with their pain, they can't even deal with the possibility that other Muslims are living a life different from them. That's right. Just like we have with music, like there are people who follow the, the valid fiqh opinion that music is haram, and, but they have a problem with those who follow, follow the valid fiqh opinion that not all music is haram, but they can't deal with yes. anybody listening to music except they go crazy like we saw with the Dean Squad video. These people can't deal. You know, and similarly, when it comes to poly polygyny, when you plural marriage, there are certain men who have who have suppressed their own uh, proclivities. Yeah, you know, their own inclinations, inclinations so yeah. much, or even just their own emotional needs, because mm -hmm. they even if it's not sexual, it could be something where they need validation because of something that happens to them growing up. Mm -hmm. They now need to tell the world that polygamy is bad. Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying, I'm not going to choose it. And mm -hmm. then, you know, there are people who who also, like we talked about another extreme, who need everybody to do it in order to feel va validated. Only the good Muslims are doing right, it. Right, right, like, right. Like, I right. remember a sister saying, only only sisters who are dean and do polygamy. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> right, right. No, right, that right. doesn't make sense. Right. So when we, we're insecure, yeah. we need the world yeah. to validate us. Yeah. Like, if I can't deal with polygamy, nobody in my circle in the world can, right. can do it. Right. If I see someone doing it, I have to find bad in them. I have to find evil in them. Right. Because I haven't dealt with myself right you right, know right. and and if i decide if i'm insecure and i don't want to be in it and i'm dealing with it anyway and i'm forcing myself to deal with with polygamy i need everybody to be okay with it i need everybody not okay with it everybody to be openly uh, wanting to do it themselves otherwise they're bad muslims right so we create these narratives mm -hmm. and because we are not dealing with ourselves in an honest way we're very much insecure and it's toxic insecurity 
We live in toxic insecurity on a daily basis and it's normal. Our toxic insecurity makes us want to control our friends. It makes us want to control our children. Sometimes our even our own parents for some people who have a weird relationship with their parents. But the real issue is you're not dealing with yourself because when you're dealing with yourself, you don't need the world to, to, to actually, um, to validate you. But I find it very interesting because there's like a contradiction that goes on because with the insecure Muslims, we need only all of the Muslims to validate us, but the non-Muslims could live how they want. And we'll chase them. Yeah. We chase them because we'll, we'll chase their lifestyle. Yeah. Because we love that. Right. Because Muslims remind us of our own self-hate. Right. So Muslims have to be controlled. Right. right but since right. non-Muslims represent this thing we admire and love, we leave them alone. Right. So it's actually a testimony to what's in our heart. Okay. We're, right. we're, we're testifying to the fact that we don't love ourselves. We don't love our religion. We don't, mm. we don't love each other. Mm -hmm. And we live in the kind of like this idol worship of the Western society and we cannot deal with other people. So, I mean. And, and with books and classes, idol worship of the Eastern society, right? Yeah. <laughs> books, oh yeah. Books and classes as a general rule, it is the idol worship of Eastern mm. society. We're taught mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And again, I'm not talking about what fiqh opinion you follow on anything. I'm saying that yep. how you handle the fact that other people can and will live a life that's different from you. Yeah. Okay. When you can't deal with that, there's something wrong with you. And so for me, the what I've learned from the people I've heard, you know, is that you have to, I think Radia mentioned it earlier, as she said that someone mentioned in a class one time, you have to stand in your own discomfort and be you, yeah, and really you need to quote. Yeah. You need to find your comfort in that discomfort. The world is, doesn't revolve around you. Your wife doesn't revolve around you. Your husband doesn't revolve around you. Your children don't revolve around you. And you cannot seek to control people with threats. Yeah. And if the only way that you can get your husband, your wife, and your children to do something is you threaten them with hellfire or, 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 or taking away love or your attachment, then something's wrong. Right. Okay. No, absolutely. And I'm not saying the, about the reminder. Right? Reminder benefits the believer, but I'm saying that you, if you, you can't handle something or you don't want your child to do something, stand in that discomfort, be vulnerable and, and tell them why it hurts you. Tell them what your position is with having full freedom in your heart to understand that they can do what they want. And no matter how much it hurts you, they have the right to live a life that's different from you. And you need to not sacrifice your soul and, and harm other people just to, to kind of manipulate other people into doing the things that you want them to do. And I, and I will say, if you don't do it and go back to deal with the demons before you do, they deal with you, at some point in your life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to force it. And you don't want it to happen when you're, when you're not ready because those are the things that actually challenge your faith. So for example, you know, if you're not dealing with your control issues with your husband and your wife and Allah takes their soul, Hmm. then you're going to have to deal with a whole nother set of problems. Yeah. If you've been, you know, discriminating against people in a certain way and a law puts you in the exact position where you discriminated against people, you know, you discriminated against sisters, for example, who may be, may be seeking a polygynous situation and you call them home wreckers and that type of thing, because that's just what you feel. And you can't deal with that, with that, with that, with yeah. that part of things. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given her that right. Right. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might just put you in a situation in the next years, and it's happened. We've seen it happen. Over and over. Where 
you where Allah takes the very privilege that you had, whether it be your husband or your family, and now you're out on the street and then everything changes. And you know what? The, if you didn't start dealing with it before, the harder it's going to be to actually come back to faith because you're going to be dealing with the pride. See, because this is the byproduct of, of this thing too. This thing also comes from pride. This thing comes from pride. This could, this need to control. It comes from pride. So, if you don't start dealing with your pride before Allah puts you in that position, then you might choose your pride over Allah when you now have to deal with, okay, am I going to choose Allah or pride? If you're not in the training of it beforehand, you see what I'm saying? So one of the things that, for example, I'm going to give you a couple things that I do in my life, for example, and sabr is a big part of it. When you feel that pang of pain and wanting to control the situation, before you react, think, think. Is this something that Allah approves of or not? And it really actually really can change your life. Like, for example, if you have if your wife is wants to do something or your children want to do something and there's no unequivocal foundational thing problem with it. Ask yourself the question. Is this me? Is this my control issue? And if it's just an advice thing and you still feel strongly about it, then what you do is you don't react. Because you might still have to protect it. It might, because everything that you got to protect people with, it doesn't have to do with Allah giving you an admonition. Sometimes you have to just give advice that's good. So don't react in the moment that you feel that pang of wanting to control or anger or frustration. Wait. Wait until you're okay and then go talk to them at a time where you no longer feel that emotionality from the fact that they're doing something you don't want to do. I want them to do, yeah. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you don't want them to do. Yeah, I mean, but the, and then I would say, but this takes work. It you takes know, work. It's not something that even if you're dealing with your pain, it takes work, you know? And I would say one of the pieces of advice that I give to people is that whenever you're upset about something, go pray. Right. And if you need to make a decision, pray istikhara. Right. It can help you get in the right mode. That's right. You know, instead of threatening things and telling people things, go pray. Deal with yourself. You know, because we, we live in this this time where it's really weird, where even in places where it's supposed to be healing and, and encouragement, we need to define ourselves with ego and pride and turning away from God and all mm -hmm. of these kind of things and also controlling other human beings. And if you have respect for yourself, then you, you would never let your husband do X, Y, and Z, or you would never let your wife do X, Y, and Z. Instead of, if you have respect for yourself, you would focus on yourself. Okay. And so you know, I know that we have someone common and saying there are people who are not even thinking about being Muslim practicing a form of polygamy. They have a husband with a bay on the side or a wife with a chick on the side. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. I'll put it like this. People are people. And one of the things that's, <laughs> I, I, sometimes you say you can laugh or cry. Muslims, we have tried some of the, in the West to create this fake reality that nobody even tries, you know? And when I say, I don't mean that in your personal choices, I'm talking about in this ideal of how things should be. Right. The bottom line is you can talk all you want, you can threaten all you want, but you can't break human hearts apart. Nope. Okay. You don't have that ability. Yep. Now you can break up your own marriage and ruin the relationships in irreparable ways such that you become a trigger for your husband or a trigger for your wife, such that even if they healed totally and you healed totally, they would never want to deal with you anymore. Yep. Because I know that, I, for example, I know close friends of mine who said, you know, because of, of how, you know, the, the, their husband 
was so much like pushing polygamy down their throat and threatening them and all that. They were like, I want a divorce and I don't even want, I don't mind being a polygamy. It just can't be with him. Right. Okay. Right. And then I've known of a situation, right. a, a friend of mine who, uh, one of her friends, you know, there was a woman who threatened divorce and asked for a divorce so much and her husband was treating her well that he finally divorced her. But then when she wanted to come back because she threatened divorce because her husband wanted mm -hmm. to marry another wife. But she was going crazy, saying bad things about him to the point where year after year after year, he just divorced her. And he said he never wanted to deal with her again, ever. He wouldn't. He said he would never remarry her. She apologized. She asked for forgiveness. He said, I forgive you. And you know, I don't want anything between us on the day of judgment, but I will never remarry you. And you know, and what happens in those situations, and this is, you know, another really good point. Um, this is a big point, actually. Um, there comes a point in trauma where you have to make hijra. You know, and people always think of hijra as just moving moving from land to land, but sometimes in hijra is just emotional. Sometimes hijra is just moving from a friend, a toxic friend or a toxic husband or a toxic wife. And they not. And when I say toxic, I mean the relationship is toxic. They might not. They might actually be still good people who are going to be forgiven by the law. But they become so toxic to you because of their effect on you that you can't go back because you have no more reserves for forgiveness. And rather than be in a situation where you can't be merciful and you can't be forgiving, you rather let that person go or you rather leave the situation because you know you're going to harm them. And so one of the one of the byproducts of you manipulating other people is that sometimes people come to a point where they're like, I'm not going to take this anymore. And the best of those people, they actually make hijra and they leave. And your best thing to do in that situation is to let them. You know what I'm saying? And this is the beauty of Islam, you know, and I feel like the Islam from a beauty standpoint and what it actually allows is it allows for everyone to actually have a choice. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, like there are going to be situations where a Muslim sister is just like, look, I can't deal with polygyny. And the man has to respect that because she's a grown adult with a soul and maybe it's toxic for her. And so he has to respect that and not be like whip her with Islam talking about you don't have faith. No, she really might might not be able to deal with it. She but might at the have same more faith than you. Right. But at the same time, speak on the um the the woman, what the woman has to respect. I'm telling you, as I'll tell you, woman, my advice to you as woman is to, you really are going to have to accept that your husband is not your toy. Okay? He's not your puppy. He's not your little you know, Ken Barbie doll that, you know, <laughs> does whatever you want. He is a human being with a soul. And, you know, I remember seeing this, this cartoon one time where it was, um, it was like, not a cartoon picture, but I forgot like what they called it. The, the, anyway, it was a written down in like a, on a sheet of paper. I forgot what they call it. And it was like, the first slide was like this woman, like hugging this picture. And then the next slide was she was marrying this picture and she was so happy. It was this picture of a man. And then the third one was like the man kind of like burst through the picture and he's like a real man. And she's like, oh my God, where did he come from? <laughs> that was so powerful to me because that's how we live as women. A lot of us from childhood, we dream of our husbands and who he's going to be and what he's going to do for us and happily ever after our dress and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And the, the man comes later, you know? <laughs> and so when we think we found a man that we can control, we don't use those words. We use, you know, euphemisms like don't marry the man who, who you love, marry the one who you love. Obviously, they can come together. But when someone says that particular statement, they don't mean 
find someone you love and they you both live, love each other, they're actually saying don't find that because they're saying you don't want to be vulnerable. So you actually need to marry someone who actually uh, you can control. He's the, You make him feel so good about himself. You know, basically they're saying marry someone who feels like he's nothing. So basically that when you're married to him, he feels like he's something. So that when he wants to do anything that he wants to do, then I'm going to control them. I would say that for your souls, woman, my advice to you is stop this type of thing. Stop trying to control your husband. Stop trying to prevent him from talking to other women and all this. Focus on yourself and make the first step when you get married, marry someone you can actually love and respect. Okay. And who's going to love and respect you? Because when you begin to do this, and, and I don't know how to emphasize this more because many women do not believe me, but you're harming your own self. Okay. You're putting yourself in emotional distress and a, a mental trauma when you believe you can control your man. Okay. When you believe that spying on him, checking on him, trying to prevent that he, you know, threatening this, you harming yourself and you're creating a toxic environment within your own spirit soul that you might not be able to live with one day. Okay. So you need to understand that the first thing you do when you're faced with something that you don't know if you can handle is go to Allah. Okay. And stop going to your husband to tell him what he should or should not be doing. And he's breaking up the family and all this kind of stuff. Stop trying to emotionally and spiritually manipulate people based upon your insecurities and vulnerabilities, because that's what they are. Just like when men do it, when men, just like he gave the example, when man, a man is trying to do that, that man is scared. He's going to lose the woman he loves. And, but instead of saying he's scared, he tries to control her and tell her she's a bad person. You're scared of losing the man you love, but instead of being honest, you try to control him and tell him he's a bad person. You threaten to take the kids away. You do all these things to try to trick him, you know, and, and I'm telling you, you're hurting yourself because Allah does not leave us like this. Okay. Male or female. When you live in arrogance, you know how they say the bigger you are, the harder you fall. You can fool yourself, but you can't fool Allah. And when you've lived life fooling yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, Allah will put trials, if, if he wishes good for you, mm -hmm. he will put trials into your life that bring you down to your knees in the dirt. Trust. Okay? Trust. To the dirt where you will Trust. realize the pride and the arrogance that you lived in hurting the people who you cared about because you could not accept that that person was a separate human being from you. And again, remember by accepting that he's a separate human being from you, it does not mean that you can handle every decision that he makes. It doesn't mean that you can stay married to him in certain conditions. It just means that you have to stand in your own vulnerability and, and not seek to control his life and his soul and his decisions based upon your own insecurities. Be yeah. Because when you're insecure, the telltale sign of an insecure person is that they need to control those around them. First, it starts with their children, the spouse, and then it goes out to family. It goes out to the community. It goes out to the world. And that's why we have people who, on the other extreme in the religion, why some people can't deal with Muslims. Okay? They don't understand life enough to know that the people have a right to believe however they want. Okay? They can't deal with someone actually having a moral life with their sexual behavior. Okay? They, they don't understand that people have the, 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 the right to choose a different lifestyle. And similarly with Muslims, 
Men, some men don't have the, 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 the understanding and the maturity to understand that a woman doesn't have to stay married to him under all circumstances. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I would and like And a woman to, too. And yeah. a woman too. Yeah. And I, I, I would like to add, you know, you know, as a, as a man, you know, a lot of men have insecurities that they don't, don't want to deal with as well, such as, you know, a lot, a lot has given us kind of perception. So he, we sometimes know when, when, Maybe our wife or husband isn't feeling us, feeling us like that. And sometimes that scares you. And it's how you react to that fear and insecurity um, that, you know, really shows where you are faith wise. Because if you take an action to control based on your fear and insecurity alone without her actually doing anything, that's when you get into into trouble and control. Because the, re- the real deal is it's really true. If you're healthy, you do acknowledge that a law could literally take the love that your wife has for you out of her, out of her heart. He could take it out of her heart tomorrow. And I don't care whether you love her to death or whether you abuse her to death. He could take it out tomorrow, right? And so understanding that reality is understanding that Allah is in more control than you. And that should both humble you and it should also make you want to do the right thing at the same time, because you're not really quite sure. And so what happens is, is that when you're aware of that reality, you tend to, okay, well, let me put these fail safes in place so that no matter what, she's going to be dependent on me. Or, you know, she does the same thing. So, you know, guys, I've heard of guys, for example, who are not not good with their wives. And, and I'm talking about Western society mostly, but they're not good with their wives, like having a way to make money for themselves. And I'm like, do you realize where we are in 2017, 2018? If Allah takes your life tomorrow, what have you prepared her for? Are you willing to like, and a lot of these guys, we don't have life insurance. We don't have, but, but literally he's made her life revolve around, around him with no fallback plan whatsoever. And it just, just to appease his ego and just so he can feel like, okay, well, no matter what, she's not going anywhere. Right. And, yeah. And, and that right there, you, you know, it you shows, think. huh? You think. Yeah. But, but Allah is greater still. You can do all of that. Right. You can do all of that. You can plan all of that. And then Allah literally um, changed her heart just because you're doing that. Right. Test you in this way. Well, he changed her heart. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, she's gone. I mean, a woman came to the Prophet Sallallahu one day, you know, who wanted divorce. She was like, he doesn't do it for me anymore. It, 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 she said he was a good man. He, just, he doesn't do it for me anymore, right? Yeah, so, I don't want to commit kufr I don't, after I believe. I don't want to make, commit kufr after I believe, right? That was it. And, and the Prophet Sallallahu had to, you know, well, you got to do what you got to do, right? Allah can do anything, and especially... So if, for example, Allah decides to test you with the fact that her heart changes, you don't want to be in a situation where you were relying on your ego and your pride and your control. Because when it still goes wrong, and then she's, Allah still provides for her anyway, it's going to be real hard for you, brother. And, and I would say, and it goes both ways. <laughs> it goes both ways. And I will say this, and while we're on this topic, I'll mention another piece of advice that I have to women is that for those people who want to put in their contract, no polygamy, be very careful how you word it and make sure it's centered around your own needs. The language should never be in in the the, the language of what 
he should cannot do. Like, for example, if that's something that you believe is going to help you, say in your contract that he like he understands that I, I don't don't believe I can deal with it and that if he does it, I have the immediate right to divorce instead of saying that he agrees that he will never do it. And that's for your mental health. Because when you begin to train yourself to focus on what you can handle, it actually creates emotional health and growth inside of you long term. Mm. When you begin to start your marriage in the language of what someone else can't do because of what you can't handle, and it's a decision that is uniquely theirs, it creates an environment of subconscious belief that you have the right to control someone just because you married them to them. Now, I don't that now some people may say it's a technicality because it ends up with the same thing, but it actually this technica, technicality is actually very very serious because if you believe like many women believe that no polygamy means he can't do it versus I can't handle it, then you're actually setting yourself up for a toxic relationship. Okay? And because what happens is is that by focusing on yourself, you give yourself room to change. And you actually respect the right that at all times he could be in a different space from you. So the only option you reserve the right to at all times is the one that you had anyway, which is, you know, you have the right to leave. Okay. So that's a whole different topic that I will have to get into more later, but it's not about him. It's about you. When you, we as women, and the same thing happens with men, we see it with abusive men, but we don't, we don't admit it with ourselves as women. We don't like to see men trying to control. We may have said in the beginning, oh, I I don't want to, I just want to stay home, but then we want to go to school. And if he tries to stop us, then we go crazy and say he's abusing us. But when it, when we begin to, when he begins to evolve and change, we don't want to accept that, you know, if it, if it doesn't include something that, that we, we, we like and prefer for ourselves. But this is a whole, that's a very, very wide topic. And, yeah. and in order to be able to understand it, we do have to kind of go back to what we talked about in the beginning is healing yourself. Because the problem is that when we're in a state of um, self-harm, of suppression, of denial, then we are not really able to hear and understand balance. Right. Because we immediately go into, but I'm not going to let him do that. I'm not going to let her do that. Right. That's your pain talking. That's your suppression talking. Right. When you believe that I'm not going to let my child do this. I'm not going to let my husband do this. I'm not going to let my wife do this. You're already in the mind. You're in the wrong mode. Okay. You can say that I don't believe I can handle X, Y, and Z if my husband did this. I don't believe I can handle X, Y, and Z if my, my wife did this. I don't know how I can handle it or if I'd be able to handle emotionally if my children did this, but I understand that I can't control them. Right. And th and that goes obviously for anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed, whether that be, you know, optional or required, you know, obviously anything that's a lot that, that we know to be morally wrong, obviously you correct, you know, you might have a little different stance about mm -hmm. how you deal with that. But anything, anything, and this is Tawakal, this is faith, this is faith. A lot of faith, a lot this is Tahid, this is believing in one God. Every that is everything that Allah has allowed, I give a, a, a great amount of deference and respect to. Now but and the great thing about it is Allah in his infinite mercy has allowed you to have the ability to deal with it. Allah didn't require polygyny for example. And that's a blessing. He could have yeah. He could have said that, you know, when you get to a certain point you have to marry Allah, but he didn't. Yeah. So therefore that means that it gives you some wiggle room to decide for yourself whether, whether it's you good for it. you, mm -hmm. whether you can handle it or whether you can't. But Allah also didn't ban it. 
You know, and again, we talk about that middle path. He didn't ban it. You know, polygyny came at a time where people were married to hundreds of wives and all that stuff. And Allah whittled it down to four. He didn't ban it, but he limited it. Right. And then and he didn't say you had to do it. And therefore, it gives you that wiggle room. But what you can't do is you can't go behind the law and then ban it. And you can't go behind the law and require it. You know what I mean? You have, and that's having that faith and that's walking that tight rope. That's walking that path where you fall sometimes and you get back up and it's not fun. But remember, this is dunya. Inshallah, we're going to get everything we want in the akhirah. So we have to take the mercies and we have to believe that Allah, everything that Allah gave us and prescribed for us and allowed for us is a mercy in some way, even when it's painful. Yes. And I will say that, and yeah. I want to add this. Mm-hmm. That although when I talked about before when you were saying that sometimes we were was one of the lessons you learned, you know, from your own, uh, from those you heard was like responding to their pain with saying, you know, you need to have more iman. Okay. And so while it's wrong, for example, if I say to my husband that you don't have iman because you want to marry another wife, or he says that I don't have iman because I don't want to, I will have to say for a self check. Mm-hmm. I will say this for a self check. It is a problem with Iman when we cannot accept that there is good in something that Allah allowed. Right. And there's a difference. Right. Okay. And I don't mean that this is, and I say self check because health is focusing on yourself. If you cannot find good in something that Allah loves, especially if it's not in your life, okay, and it's in someone else's, that is an Iman issue. And I say again, it's a self check. Okay. I don't have the right to say that someone who can't handle a certain thing has no iman and vice versa. But at the same time, let's be honest with our souls here. You know, when we begin to make ultimatums, whether it's a man who says a woman has to to, to accept this or a woman who says that any good man doesn't do this, there's something wrong with our iman because we are seeking to control the servants of Allah. Right. He created them, but we right. want to create rules for them right. because we are deriving benefit from them. And this is the essence and the foundation of abuse. Right. I derive benefit from my husband. I derive benefit from my wife. I derive some sort of benefit from my children. Therefore, they have to walk the line that I wrote for them to feed my ego. Right. Okay. That is an Iman issue right. that we need to, to deal with because when we are so insecure that we have to control others, that means we, we don't trust the law. Because Iman in the practical sense is focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. When, like, for example, when I talked about earlier, when I hurt my daughter, by putting all these rules on her that were, be, were as a result of my own insecurities, I was dealing with a man issue that I didn't even know I had. Okay. I didn't trust that Allah would take care of her. Okay. I had to take care of her. Okay. So I couldn't allow her to go outside of my safety zone because it, contradicted my own needs, but I didn't know I was suppressing pain. I didn't know that I was insecure. I didn't know I was in trauma. I didn't know that my Iman was weak because when you're, when you are in, when you are, and there's no such thing as just having strong Iman and that's the end of it. It's it's a daily battle, but when you are in a healthy struggle, okay, you are able to give the information and leave people alone. Okay. Now that doesn't mean you don't raise your children, right? Okay. Because your children is going to get a different thing from the average person. But like, for example, we, we went back to music. For Go back to music for a second. You see a video you totally disagree with. Okay. They're, list, they're, they're doing music and you, don't, you believe music is haram. 
If you are actually in the healthy struggle against your soul and you truly are convinced that your words would benefit, you would say something kind as a beautiful reminder to focus first on the good and give them something to consider and you would leave them alone. When we are dealing with trauma and our own toxic insecurity and spiritual frustrations, and we don't have time to get into that because a lot of what we see is commanding the good and forbidding the evil is actually the spiritual frustrations of the people who are, who believe their life is hell and they can't stand to see anybody else happy. Okay. So that's what we're really dealing with a lot of times. So uh, talk about that. Cause we, oh my God, it's a whole nother topic. It, it is another topic, but you know, we got more people here, right? Oh and my so, God, seriously. And so we, I need you to, we're going to break this up. So when we're doing a podcast, we'll probably do two parts. Okay. But welcome you, I, to part two. <laughs> you have a part about this and you, you have a, you, you say commanding the good and forbidding the evil. Did you write, you bought, wrote a blog and you wrote, you're writing I a wrote blog? about this. Okay. Yeah. Commanding the good and forbidding the evil is less about forced kindness and word choice than meaningful presence. Talk about that. <sighs> wow. Well, I was thinking I was ending with that. <laughs> Talk about that. We we still got a we still got a live audience here. So okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to just say this. Right. Okay, I was living a path, and this is actually lessons of those from those I heard from starting with my daughter mm-hmm. and myself mm-hmm. and other people that I'm sure. And I pray a lot. They forgive me. I pray a lot forgives me. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what's happening until after you start to come out of it. What ends up happening is that many of us in trying to be good Muslims, we're taught, like it's an like an analogy I gave to one sister. We were talking, she converted to Islam and she was going through a lot. And I was, um, you know, we were just connecting and, she, and I was saying it's like this noose, like we're taught like, like Islam is like this noose that you put around your neck and the tighter it gets, the better Muslim you are. And she says, subhanAllah, that's so true. And then another person, you know, another sister who had converted to Islam, she told me what she learned. And keep in mind, these are people who chose Islam. Mm-hmm. And this is how they're describing their experience. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, she said, she said, in the end, she, she gave this, she made this really strong point. She said, in the end, you just need to ask yourself, am I happy? And if the answer is yes, you know you're doing haram. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> okay, and so for her, and I was like, and I wasn't even ready for that analogy. She said, see, that's how I feel. Right, right, right. You know, and it, that's what we're taught. We're taught like, like, <laughs> that's your self-reflection at the end of the day. Is that, are you happy? Are you, did you enjoy today? You know you did some haram. You know you do it. You in haram, even if you don't know it. And if it's not haram, it's doubtful. You know, and so commanding the good and forbidding the evil ends up becoming an exercise in making sure no one's happy. Mm. And mm. you're actually projecting your own spiritual frustrations and self-hate on other people. Mm. And whenever you're angry, when you're commanding the good and forbidding the evil, there's a wound inside of you that you're not dealing with. Okay. And when I say angry, I'm not talking about, now I'm talking about the unhealthy anger. Okay. I'm not talking about, for example, if someone is blatantly disobeying a law and teaching bad stuff and you get upset because you want to see the laws of religion respected. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone has a different fiqh opinion from you. 
A woman doesn't wear a niqab. Uh, the woman has a co colors or a, a, a person listens to music or a person doesn't listen to music and you follow the fiqh opinion that some music is okay. You need to believe they're extremists. So you call them names, mm -hmm. Wahhabi and all this right. stuff. Someone doesn't follow your shaykh. Oh my God, they're a Wahhabi. They're a right. You're, there's, you have spiritual, unresolved spiritual frustrations and emotional insecurities. And so when I talk about how commanding the good and forbidding the evil is actually more about meaningful presence, it requires a level of vulnerability and empathy. Okay. Right. Right, right, it right, requires right. that. And so when you're coming from, when you're truly commanding the good and forbidding the evil, the first thing that you would do is you're zeroing in on the good. That's what your heart does naturally. And you want what's good for them. And the problem is, is that when you're not in that state, okay, when you're not in that state, your kindness becomes a condescending kindness. Oof. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> MashaAllah, you seem to be sincere, but you're going astray. I just wanted to tell you because I love you for the sake of Allah. You're an instrument of shaitan. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I love you. Right, 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 right. Now, I don't know. You might be so misguided. You might not hear my advice, but I gave it. MashaAllah, Qadrullah. I, 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 I might actually want the anger more than that. Woo, I think. No, but that's what woo. we're taught. Yeah, I know. Okay, because and then we don't have any investment whatsoever in people's lives. Yeah, and that's and that's 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 the part that you know that that I I I, I, I try to focus on a lot. It's like, especially with the leadership, and I and I have to get on my male counterparts here because I think we we have start we have we're a major a major problem when it comes to that and our sisters are reflect are you know when they do this type of thing it's a reflection because our sisters are in general tend to be more nurturing by nature but it only goes you can only go so far where you know for example we we know we live in a country now where we don't have power we don't make rules we can't protect we have no types of institutions or organizations that for example i don't even know of an organization besides maybe ICNA that has muslim women shelters right but those shelters are not just muslim women they're they're, they're mm -hmm. other people so muslim women you know can't feel totally you know uh you know they're not always totally comfortable you know in the things that they have to do and that type of thing but we will be quick to be like, you know, the, the, talk about a sister's Khimar and all of that stuff. And literally, we're in a country, right, where they are attacking, have killed Muslim women. And and you still find the first thing, some guy, some Instagram, some Instagram troll will jump on some sister's post and talk about the hijab and the type of hijab she's wearing and then leave. And you want to talk about presence, right? And our sisters, I believe that Allah created our sisters, especially a fit, to have a fitra to seek, to have the protection because Allah said that we are qawam. He said that we are the protectors of women, right? So when you do that as a man, when you go and you criticize, right, without providing a, a, a base for protection, you are basically, you know, under the guise of commanding the good and forbidding the evil. It, again, like you said, it speaks to something that's missed. What's going on in your life? Why are you even paying this, this sister attention? Wait, don't, don't you have a hobby or something? What in the world? And it's, and you have, you have not created a structure. You have not created a system of protection, but every little thing a sister does, right? And so I would say, and so one of the things that, you know, a lot of people, for example, I, I know men, you know, and I see men who, you know, who, who might even be well-attentioned, where their whole, their whole MO is fighting feminism. 
fighting feminism. Like they had, oh they feminism is like shaitan. Like, right? And I'm like, do you not realize that feminism is a reaction? No, I don't agree with many, some of the some of the extreme feminist policies. But then there's some things with feminists. Like, for example, feminists want equal pay for doing the same job. Well, I think that's an Islamic concept. If a sister does a yeah, job and she does and a brother does a job and they're doing the same job, they should get paid equally. I don't think the Prophet Muhammad saw someone you know, all knows best. I don't think he would have a problem with that. So that but that's a feminist. That's one of the things feminine. So I don't throw every I you I look at things nuanced, and at the end of the day, I'm looking at our, our us as brothers, and I'm like, it's not like we didn't put them in a position to have to fend for themselves. You want to talk about marriage, and yes, I'm going off a little bit because I need to a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm going, but you want to talk out. about marriage. We want to talk about marriage and, and limiting. I literally got sisters coming to me talking about brothers talking, telling sisters to be patient. <laughs> you know? And I remember, I remember I was talking to a brother. And the brother's like, you know, I don't know, you know, what these, you know, sisters are doing, you know, trying to, you know, talking about sisters who are trying to be in polygyny, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, these brothers ain't ready and all of that stuff. And I'm like, and I told him, I said, you know, you get to, you have a job, you make $80,000 a year, you go home and you don't think twice about being molested because as a man, you don't, that's not your reality. But do you know when a, so do you know when a sister comes home? And she lives in an apartment by herself, you know, and she see and a dude is walking behind her. She's got to worry about whether to smile, eat, to give it a little grin, to fake. She's got to figure out how to survive. And that is trauma right there. Exactly. Just the fact, just exactly. the idea, just the fact that so many of our sisters are in a position where they are like, alone and then i look at and i read these islamics i read an islamic um um website where it was actually like that's a good thing now sisters are in a position where they can make money by themselves and have their own homes okay. and stuff so we shouldn't we, we don't have to worry and it's, it's not like before during the time of the prophet i'm like what you know what i i said a challenge to those people before you know my challenge to people who make these type of claims first of all again we're dealing with, you talked about a lot of different things. <laughs> okay, my brain is like, whoo, I got so many things going on in my head. Number one, the feminism. Yeah. Okay. A man, any man who's fixated on feminism, you need to kind of, if you really want to solve the feminism problem, if you want to call it that, focus on the, the, the harms that men have done to push women to that point. Yeah. Okay. Number two, if you're a man who's goes to women's social media accounts, stares at them. <laughs> okay. Watch, you watch hijab tutorials. You've seen that too. Yes, I've seen this. I'm giving real examples here. Y'all know who y'all are. Follow my page to stare at my face and tell me I need to wear niqab. Get off my page. It says, um, Zakia, this is a woman. If you can't handle seeing a female covered Okay, and you can't handle seeing a female. It's a real simple solution. Lock yourself in your house and, go, and, and don't come out, okay? Or focus on yourself and make dua, okay? It is not my problem. And this is, again, this is a commanding good and forbidden evil thing that ha we learn from books and classes, that when we're angry, we're frustrated, we're annoyed, it's someone else's fault. And men learn that if they see a woman that they desire... It's her fault. Right. 
And by the way, desire is healthy and good. So what's the problem? It's what you do about it that makes it bad. That's a whole separate issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we we're teaching men from young, and I feel sorry for the men who have been brought up from this from young. To be honest, where it's all someone else's fault. Right. Okay. It's always someone else's fault. Okay. And 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 women are taught something similar in the West where. If you feel hurt, every single time you feel hurt, it's the man's fault. Every time you get sad, right. it's someone's fault. Right. And if a man wants to marry someone else, then he's a bad man and, and he's evil and you need to get help. And then I'm going to address this issue of abusing people, verbally abusing and shaming. And it comes from a lot of some scholars and imams, people who are in polygyny with these stupid arguments. Okay, I'm just gonna call it what it is. It's stupid. Stop it. It's stupid. Okay, <laughs> stupid. Okay. Yeah. Can I can I give you one real quick? What, what, a stupid argument. Uh, argument that I just heard the other day oh, from, a, from a sister who was talking to me about it about uh, and and this was a this was a man who graduated and she he's he's a spiritual teacher and his argument um he made the argument about the uh the the, the instance with the uh with uh with Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his daughter. Fatima? Yeah, oh. and, and that's the reason why he made that as the unequivocal reason why you shouldn't do it. Now, I <laughs> you're looking at me because I was like, okay, so let's 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 take one instance, right? So can I do it? Can I take an instance too? With that logic, can I take an instance? Can I say that every fifty-something-year-old man should marry a a, 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 four, a thirteen-year-old a, a, a girl who just reached poverty? Puberty. Pu- pu- I mean, pu- I'm sorry. You re- reach puberty. Can I? Mm. Can I? Can I make that a rule based on <laughs> an instance? You know, or you know, can I? Can can? I mean, I can go so many. Other, we can go so many ways with that. If you take one part and leave off the other parts. You know what? Here, let me tell you this. I'm gonna educate anyone who's watching. I'm gonna educate uh, you. Please do so. Okay, on what's the spiritual manipulation that's happening when it comes to marriage? Whether it's people who are trying to force polygamy. People trying to fit, forbid polygyny, people who are trying to criminalize people's right to a choice, they are lying or they are ignorant of two things. The Sunnah of marriage revolves, the foundation of Islam, and you will not find any exceptions to this. They revolve around two things, but one thing mainly. Number one, human choice. Okay, that's the first thing. The Sunnah of marriage in Islam revolves around human choice. Secondly, and especially when it comes to the situation of Fatima radiallahu anha and divorce, human need. And it's always Hmm. individual. It is always customized to each person's situation. Hmm. So whenever you find a fake scholar or an (laughs) ignorant scholar, okay, or an ignorant Muslim trying to take a ruling from one person's marriage to force that on other people, they are either being manipulative or they're ignorant, okay? Because tell them this, the sunnah of marriage in Islam revolves around number one, human choice. And after that, human need, and these are where you find the the exceptional things happening that may not even be normal for what everybody else needs. And it's always customized to that particular situation. Because when you begin to say that the Prophet ﷺ did X, Y, and Z with Fatima, therefore everybody can do it, you're calling him a hypocrite. 
That's the first thing you're doing. You're disrespecting him and you're calling him a hypocrite. He's going to marry women for himself, but then forbid it for for um, his cousin. Yeah, but they say, you know what they say? They say he, he when he married women for himself, it was all just a bunch of stuff that had nothing to do with, you know, actually having wanting the relationship. Speak on that. Okay. First of all, that's a fat lie. Okay. Number one, the Prophet never did anything to disobey Allah. And one situation to, to show, like, first of all, this is not true. In the Quran, Allah, when he tells the Prophet he can marry no more, he says that even though they're going to allure you, meaning they even though they're attractive to you, okay, that you can't marry them. So he's Allah is acknowledging that the Prophet had desires, okay? I should, we should be able to just drop the mic and that should be the end of the discussion because Allah said it. But you know how people are, okay? So... Another case where Aisha saw one of the women who was going to become the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu And when she said, she said, when I saw her, I hated her because I knew what the Prophet Sallallahu saw because he would see what I saw, meaning her beauty. Because she knew that, he, to put it in our language, she was his type. Okay? And she ended up being right because it ended up being one of the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu So we tend to, and this is a point I was about to make earlier, is that we tend to create lies based upon the fake religion that we create. Right. And so it's not mutually exclusive to the fact that the Prophet mm -hmm. did stuff to unite families and for political things as well. That happened too, but they leave out the other part. They, they omit yeah. some of the truth. Go ahead. And I asked, and I've asked, and I put this in my book, let's talk about sex and Muslim love. Right. You tell me, woman, that if, let's say a man proposed to you and he says, I have no desire for you. <laughs> I don't have any attraction towards you whatsoever. None. You don't even make me feel like I need to lower my gaze. But for the sake of Allah, will you marry me? I don't know any healthy woman who has any healthy sense of self who would... Okay, so stop disrespecting the wives of the prophets. Some these were beautiful, attractive women who you couldn't touch with their spirituality and beauty and his attraction toward them. So stop these fake stories because if a man came to you with that bullcrap story, okay, I'm sorry, we got to get a little bit emotional here. <laughs> With that bullcrap story of I'm so connected to Allah, I have no desire for women. What are we gonna be doing after marriage? Because a woman, okay. wants, a woman wants companionship. She's still a in. woman wants yeah. to be attractive. A right. woman wants to be beautiful. A woman wants to be loved. So stop trying to take away the beauty of the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to fulfill your spiritual insecurities. Mm. Okay, stop it. Mm. Stop creating lies around the fake religion that you've created in your mind. Okay, the Prophet ﷺ was a human being. He was attracted to women. Okay, and it's documented in the Quran. And in case you think that 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 that's a strange thing, even read the story of Yusuf and what he said. That if he didn't, Allah didn't help him. Okay, or if Allah wasn't there, he would have been in that situation. Okay, we tend to create it, but it's only for situations we don't like. Yeah. When we don't want our like, for example, if we want, if we have those kind of people who men and women who they, they just graduated from polygamy is bad and they come to the point where polygamy is good. Right. But the only type of polygamy that's acceptable is if I don't have any desire for the woman I'm marrying, okay? Right. Right. Or if my husband wants to marry a woman that, that, that he can mistreat, okay? Because he will not love him, love her as much as he loves me. He will not be attracted to her. So basically our dream polygamy is 
That the husband says, you know, he heard of a woman. He never saw her before. He's never communicated with her before. She's just a poof of some existence. And he doesn't care. He just heard about her worship and she's a widow and she's 80 years old, past childbearing age. She lives alone. She doesn't want to be touched. He doesn't want to touch her. But just for the sake of Allah, they want to get married. Mashallah, I'm married to such a good husband. And we'll, and, we'll, and we'll move on for, to, to... No, I have one more point. <laughs> you got one more point I about got polygamy. one more point. All right, go No, all right, about go how... And it's not just polygamy. This is dealing with divorced okay, women and right, stuff. Right, okay. Divorced women. For you to say that a woman should be okay because we have these new programs now, you try it, okay? You live like that. Yeah. Okay? And I talked about this in my book, Let's yeah. Talk About Sex and Muslim Love. Yeah. We don't even treat animals like that. Mm-hmm. But mm. you want to tell women that they should be okay like that with mm. no touch mm. touch and companionship and intimacy? Mm-hmm. We don't even treat animals like that, okay? And if you as a woman tout that stuff and you as a man tout that, here's my challenge to you. If you believe that divorced women, um, uh, we're not talking about personal life on here, so no questions about that. Okay, so um, if, you, you, if, 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 you, if you believe that, Now, here's my challenge to you, okay? Here's my challenge to you. If you are a man who believes that that, um, women should be happy like that, and you're a woman who believes women should be happy like that, and you're married, stop having intimate relationships with your husband and wife. Stop talking to them. Stop calling them and telling them they have all these modern technology things to take care of them. We don't need any more intimacy because we have modern technology now. We have jobs. Don't you have a job? You have a job? You have a job? <laughs> you good. You don't need your wife. You good. Okay? You don't need your husband. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you can't live it, stop preaching it. Yeah. yeah okay? That's fellow. what I'm saying. And if, and if you want to live it, live it by yourself. Right. Okay. Because you're lying. We create these fake rules. Okay. To go along with, you know, the, we, we create these lies to go around with the fake religion that we created because we want to believe something. And so we have to create a world around us to make us believe it. That's why we have to demonize people who, for example, if we follow the fifth opinion about music, if we believe music is worship and everything is okay, all mu- people who say music is haram, they're extremists. Right. If we need to believe music is haram because of our own spiritual insecurities, instead of right. being sincerely convinced, anyone who listens to it, they can't love a law. Right, 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 right. Deal right. with yourself, okay? Right. And stop, fi- this, and I'm telling you right now, stop allowing people to lie to you. And I will end with this, with this topic. Yes. When it comes to marriage, remember this, the sunnah of marriage revolves around number one, human choice, Mm -hmm. and number two, human need. And you will never find any deviation from this. Mm. Okay. So where there's no human, where, where some exception to human choice is involved, meaning like the Prophet stopped a marriage that two people wanted to get married. There was an emotional and psychological need involved where intervention was, was necessary. Okay, divorce. Maybe one of the parties don't want a divorce, but there's a human need involved such that the divorce has to go through. So number one, human choice. And number two, human need. And every situation is customized based upon the human choice and the human needs of those involved. No exception. Stop these fake Fatima and Ali stories. Stop your little, you know, the, the people of Medina didn't like polygamy. So uh, it's okay to forbid it. Stop your fake stories. Stop lying to the people and stop the ignorance. Tell the truth. Okay. Because the Prophet ﷺ never unilaterally forbade 
a certain type of, of marriage that's halal and he never forced it unilaterally across the board. So who are you to do? Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's so, so speaks to the control issues that we're talking about, like even within ourselves. And so, you know, um, I think, I think we can pretty much wrap up um, at this point. Uh, we've gone a couple hours. I want everyone to remember that uh, our, we have a podcast called Label Deep. Um, this is a part, a recording of our podcast. We have uh, five episodes up. Um, you can go to labeldeep.com to actually listen to the podcast. Um, and they're they're based on um, Om Zakia's books, where you, where you can find on uzauthor.com. Uh, we need you to spread as much as possible. Spread the uh, podcast. Uh, share it. Let people know about it. We're dealing with a lot of, we're dealing with underlying issues within beneath the label um, in the Muslim community and in the broader community as well. Uh, we are going to get, we keep saying we're going to get into this, the next book, Reverence the Wounds That Broke You, but there's always a topic that we have to discuss regarding the prejudice because prejudice is a big deal. And, um, you know, we got to remember that the, the first sin that we know of um, as a result of pride was, was prejudice. Yeah. You know, even though pride was the root, prejudice was the action. You know what I mean? Prejudice was the action, prejudice and racism. So prejudice is a huge thing. And so we're going to continue this as we move into the season two. We're going to keep having conversations about prejudice and giving um, resources and that type of thing. We interviewed Marguerite Hill mm-hmm. of Muslim Arc, uh, who is, which is called the Muslim Anti-Racism Collaborative. Um, that's what it stands for. Uh, and they give resources and they give even tests on implicit bias and microaggressions so that people who are interested, especially people who are you know, not from this country and don't necessarily know how they are. They're not deep into how they are being prejudiced or racist to other people. They can actually take tests to figure it out, you know, and that type of thing. So we're also trying to be a resource. Um, and so, again, that's labeldeep.com. Uh, uh, you know, you can contribute even um, to the podcast because it costs money to keep it up and keep the service up. Um, but we plan to do it every week. And we're going to, you know, like I said, eventually we're going to get into really personal issues deal with um sexual addiction and pornography and rape and rape and that type of thing all the things that are actually they're going on actually within our community too mm-hmm. they're actually going in with going on within our community parents now abusing their children. parents abusing their children and parents abusing our children is a big thing because very little people because the, the the books and classes they're so rigid on just love your parents respect your parents and that's important but there's another side. Like we ne- we rarely ever speak about the lesson of Ibrahim. You know, it's not balanced where we speak about the lesson of Ibrahim. Or Salman al-Farsi. Yeah, Salman al-Farsi. Right. Or just Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran saying, will you choose your father's um, way even though they were wholly ignorant? Like there's yeah. actually ba- more balance in the Quran when it even comes to how you follow and distinguishing, like, for example, following your parents from respecting them and that type of thing. And we're so, going to talk about that too. Like when we mm-hmm. get into um, mm-hmm. reverencing the wounds that broke you, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how the true proper balance, inshallah, to the best of our ability, may Allah forgive us for any fault, the balance of actually um, how Islam is balanced. Yes, we do respect and, and honor our parents, but at the same time, we, we, we have to protect our, and save ourselves and protect ourselves from harm because our faith does n- it never requires us to subject ourselves to harm. Right. So yeah, but we'll 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 get into that in, in some of the later podcasts. But you know, we I do appreciate whoever was able to watch. 
Um, and inshallah, I think we'll split this into two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll split this into but, two um, in the actual podcast. And you, in the next week, inshallah, you'll be able to go if you if you join late and you can listen to it on other on other mediums such as iTunes and your Android device if you have Google Play or if you have Stitcher. Um, and if you want to request uh, another place to put it, just email info at Inspired Nation with an e in, with an e info at inspirednation.com and we'll try to make sure that that podcast is available. Um, so with that, uh, do you have any last words regarding just, you know, cause we started out with, you know, the apologies that we had in our own lives, you know, for the people that, you know, that we hurt that we didn't realize we were hurting at the time. So you have any last words regarding that? I would just say always be involved in self-care spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically always be involved in self-care and self-check. And you start with a dua. And, and, and being vulnerable with uh, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with that self-check, always focus on yourself. And if I were to give a never, I know people say never, say never, but I, I think this one applies. Never seek to control other people and to have other people define who you are. Right. And the truth is, is that when you, when you do that, when you actually work on self-love and self-care, it frees you to love and care for other people in the correct manner. Um, that's the only, actually, it's the only route. If you don't work on that, there's going to be some way where you're hurting yourself. And when you hurt yourself, it's inevitable that you hurt other people. And it's ironic that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to save ourselves first. And that when we go and, and speak to him in judgment, that we will be alone. Allah is saying, care for yourself. You won't have an excuse. Yes, and I agree. I, I agree with that. And I am mean to the, to the beautiful dua that um sister umi of one yes sister thank you umi, umi said very yeah. very very beautiful yeah um i mean you know you know subhanallah and we'll and we'll talk more i know that there are a couple more uh comments you know and we'll talk more about these in the, the following um podcast Radia, you know the the issue of the muslims being made to believe that unless they have strong iman they you know they're good muslims and not committing sins, they're not guaranteed the rewards and the relief in the hereafter. We're going to talk a lot about this because in the next, in the podcast that we're talking about is like how spiritual manipulation is actually used to control people, yeah. and and iman and different things is used to as a as a as a um, as a tool of a manipulation. And what we'll talk more. Um, by the way, you know we don't have um, the right to say what's actually going on in someone's heart. Right. You know, if people believe in Allah and they've done the minimum that's required, we don't know their situation. You know, only people we can really probably speak confidently about are people, a hypothetical group of people who turn away from Allah and disbelieve in him. Other than that, you know, even that, we don't even know right. who those are specifically right. all the time. Right. But if you're, you know, someone's fighting you for your faith, if they're, yeah. if they're fighting you to make you lose your faith, then that becomes a different thing. You get to now, now the rules change a little bit. You know, if someone is kicking you out of your home, that type of thing. The rules change a little bit. But for the most part, I mean, think about it. We we say like cry fifteen towards people who ain't who are not, who are not Muslim. Like we're saying like you to you be your way to you be mine. Like right. And then if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we are supposed to be the most merciful to each other. Even more than right. that. Right. And we say y'all and that non-Muslims have the freedom to believe whatever they want to believe. How in the world are we oppressing each other like this? SubhanAllah. That's a deep point. 
church. If we say lakum dinakum waliyadin and la ikraha fi din to to the disbelievers mm-hmm. and Allah says that the, yeah and 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 we and, and then we're told that in the Quran we're supposed to be merciful more merciful to the believers than how are we oppressing and harassing each other when we already tell them you have the right to live how you live mm-hmm. without being harmed by me, and yet we, we how can we not? SubhanAllah. And we rush to, we, we literally rush to tell people this on TV every day. We tell them we're, we're harmless. We allow, it's in our religion. But then. Yeah, you know, but inshallah, we're going to keep going. We'll be doing more with this podcast to talk about this because our goal is self-care and merciful to each other. And I'm gonna be honest. We'll, I'll be calling out some bullcrap here and there. You know, when, yeah, when people we got, have when when we've been lied to, yeah. you know, or we've been tricked or manipulated, or people are spreading ignorance, even if they're sincere. I'm just gonna call it out. Yeah, you and, know, yeah. I'm calling it out yeah. because it's harming so many people. These lies about marriage, these lies about serving scholars and, and parents without any nuance. We're going to have to deal with it. It's harming too many people because self-care is very, very important. Emotional health is very, very important. It's directly connected to spiritual health. But inshallah, we'll talk more about that later. Subhanaka bihamdika la ilaha 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 May Allah forgive us for anything that we said that's wrong. Anything that was beneficial and good came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything wrong from ourselves and shaitan. And we ask you... you um, to forgive us, we also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us for anything that's wrong. And I hope you join us again uh, next time. Until yeah. next time, inshallah. Labeldeep.com. Prophet Musa alayhi salam in Surah 28, 16 once pleaded, My Lord, indeed I have wronged myself, so forgive me. And it was reported that Abu Bakr, the truthful one, once asked the messenger for an invocation where he may invoke Allah in his prayers. And Muhammad, peace be upon him, told him to say, O Allah, I have wronged my soul very much, and none forgives the sins but you. So please bestow your forgiveness upon me, no doubt. You are the all-forgiving, most merciful. We are taught constantly that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-forgiving and most merciful. And it's true. He is merciful far beyond our wildest imaginations. But what should be noted with these two du'a, is that before there is a plead for forgiveness, there is an admittance of wrongdoing. Inevitably, we all as human beings wrong our own souls. And this is why we have to be forgiven to enter Jannah. And sometimes in the process of wrongdoing, or the process of wronging ourselves, we wrong others. I believe that after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intervening himself, what really prevents us wrongdoers from becoming full-fledged oppressors is a process that takes multiple steps. Number one, constantly seeking to understand what the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger defines as right and wrong, and then spending sincere time consulting others in an effort to empathize. Number two, sincere and consistent introspection, dua, and surveying our own wrongs with the intention of being better people for Allah. Number three, Identifying our wrongdoings and righting them, and this includes giving acknowledgement and justice to other people if they are involved without excuses. And number four, consistently supplicating and repenting, humbling ourselves and asking Allah for forgiveness. If there is one deterrent to this process, it is pride, and it burns the heart like a blinding fire. Let humility 
be the water that puts it out. This is Khalil Ismail with KI's Last Word. Support this podcast by sharing it. Support Umzakia's books at uzauthor.com and support Khalil Ismail's music at khalilismail.com. Until next time. When a little baby girl who was buried alive Rise from the dirt to the palaces of light In the gardens, in the gardens In the gardens, in the gardens Will the victim of rape no longer be ashamed May have got a body but a soul he couldn't claim